It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! I love my wife. <laughs> That's on my wife. <laughs> I feel like you're being really inappropriate and rude to me. She a Terran. She very nice. <laughs> That's got to be like copyright infringement or something. Yeah. We're going to get flagged and put this on YouTube. <laughs> I like you. You're very nice. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I, sometimes I wish we were recording uh, the stuff that happens during the, uh, you know, the pre-show. during the pre-show. I mean, we have the cameras on, mainly just so we can get in the chat and say hi to everybody when we're running a little late, but... Uh, I don't think that we could record what happened no. in the pre-show. Maybe not. No way. No. no way. No way. Well, whatever. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We're a little uh, we're a little rowdy tonight. I we suppose. are a little bit rowdy. But don't worry, we'll calm down. Don't worry about it. Let me get to my notes. Um. It's a bumpy start here. That's <laughs> fine. It's all right. Uh, we have a cool show for you guys. Terrence is going to take us through the history of Tower of Terror. Yes. Terror. Yes, Ter- terroir. Have. Tower of Terror is like a, a winemaking uh, gone bad or something like that. <laughs> I think it's the Tower of Terrence. Tower of Terrence. <laughs> yes. That'd be a bunch of churros. Would, oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> really, a right? Place to visit. I wonder... I wonder how much money I would have to win in the lotto to yeah. build a life-size replica of the Tower of Terror out of churros. But then you would be life-size, life-size. Well, I mean, you can like we can get we can get dimensions. Excuse okay. me of the of the outside. Right. And I then, know it's 186 feet. No, oh, I don't want to give stuff away. But yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so you know how tall it is. Yeah. So and you you know how, what a churro in thickness is. You know what an inch and a half, maybe oh, two inches, inch maybe. Um, uh-huh. And uh, you just divide. I don't know, man. How many inches is X amount of feet, and then you divide by inch and a half, and that's how many, at least just high. Yeah. You know? And then wide, and then I want to somehow, man, okay. Would this be weight-bearing? Um, we're going to figure out a way to do <laughs> Only that. Only on him. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be. <laughs> uh, so outside of churros, inside of various candy, like the ropes for the elevator made out of, like, red vines or something. I think the this entire thing happening. should be churros. This is happening. You just want to live in Candyland. <laughs> I wouldn't mind after the Candy Mountain thing I was talking about the last God. show. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind that. You wouldn't mind that, but like, but like Bev said, that's how you get ants. Or no, you said ants that. and mice and ants. ickies. Hmm. Nikki, you don't no, want ickies. No, thank you. No. Yeah, bird poop. Ooh, yeah. No. Who said it'll be Hello. outside? So you're gonna build a. So you're gonna have a building that houses all of this you're gonna, stuff. He's gonna build a house for his house. Yes, I'm gonna build a. Willy Wonka style factory <laughs> where in the chocolate portion there's a oh. high enough ceiling for a life size replica of the right. Tower of Terror. Do I it. I just want to say that. Forget about Taren, it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> if, if if I or Taryn had gone off on a completely ridiculous tangent like that, mm. you would yeah. have turned our microphones uh, off. What, that is totally true. What ridiculousness are you talking about? Because I haven't heard anything ridiculous I yet. think the rapper Future just walked in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Sorry. It's uh, too bad they can't hear us. Actually, it's probably a good thing. I don't know. He'd probably be like, excuse me, sir, what yeah, are you? No. 
Anyway, um, okay. Find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, if you have feedback on the show, it goes to Taryn. Compliments goes to Terrence. You can say hi, hi. to Bev. And anything else is Jason, and then it's all at earsup-podcast.com, ears of the Z, or if that's too much, there's a form on our um, on our website, which, by the way, Terrence has updated our um, our blog with uh, film number four yeah. in the full-length theatrical release, uh, Animation Classics Review, mm-hmm. Dumbo. Dumbo, yes. Yeah, skipping the... Which, um, by the did way... Did number three? No, yeah. that's what I'm, that's I was what just going to say. Good job, Terrence. Way Thank to you. way to just skip number three. Well, because it's never going to happen. Well, I told I him. Gave, I was I like, gave him four months. You yeah, know, I'm whatever. like, I'm like, dude, this isn't happening. I'm sorry, I can't, I cannot do it. I don't know what you can say about Fantasia. I really, oh, that's. I have some of it positive. written. Well, I have it some. I have some of it written. That's the thing. But I just, I just need to because I fell asleep three quarters of the way through, and so I need to finish <laughs> it. But I don't want to do that because I was because so you bored. Remember how the first. Three quarters what? Let's yeah. put it this way. There's a reason why they're trying to make the segment, the Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia, into like a, f- a feature thing right. and not anything else. Yes. No, you're right. There's a reason. Because that's right. the most exciting part. No, you're right. You're, it was... Uh, yeah, I'm not Anyways, a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, anyway, uh, go to earsuppodcast.com uh, and you can see Terrence's review of Dumbo. And then uh, who's doing the next one? Who wants to do the next one? I don't even know what movie it is. Oh, it's but... Alice in Wonderland. I'll do it. Okay. No, 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 no. It's uh, Bambi. Oh. Bev should do that. No, I don't want to do that. Right. I'll do that one, too. I don't like I, that movie. My kids haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, actually, I, I actually don't think I've seen it. Really? Well, we, we can watch it uh, anyways. Yeah. We don't need to actually do yeah, any work on it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. So that's cool. So you can check that out. Also, uh, on the blog is uh, Terrence's 23 Things You Might Have Missed on Disneyland. Uh, so, you know, check that stuff out. That's pretty cool. Uh, if you want to support us, uh, you know, go to the uh, website and you click on the Amazon link. Do your Amazon shopping. That's all fine and good. But really, the exciting part is you can go to getcoveyears.com and not only... Buy Coveyers, because that's those are awesome, too. Uh, but we have the Churro shirts for sale mm-hmm. up on uh, getcoveyers.com, or you can go to churroshirt.com. That's much easier to remember and, and probably spell. Um, and they're there. They're uh, they're cheaper than the other place. They're sixteen ninety five. Got three colors, three sizes, men's only. Um, but that'll change at some point. Don't worry, ladies. And uh, I ship them the same day, bro. Same day. So, you know, if you want them fast... You know, getcovers.com, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, also, uh, our friend Lulu, who designed the churro shirt for us, she's at tpublic.com, and you can search the words Beer Me or Lulu Gumshoe, I think, and uh, you can find her little Beer Me guy, and, uh, you know, that's a cute shirt. So if you're into beer and uh, into cute cartoons, man, that's what you got to do. All right, Taryn, feed, uh, feedback, and then we're going to uh, ramble a little bit, and then we're going to do some Taryn's things, and then we're going to get to Therese. Okay. So. Sounds like a plan. Go ahead, Taryn. Uh, first, Taryn. Uh, we have one feedback today. It's from Alan. He says, hey, ears up, crew. Uh, my husband and I just drove down to Disneyland this weekend on a whim. We listened to your podcast the whole way down and back and absolutely loved it. The history lessons are definitely our favorite next to Taryn's fascination with toilet paper. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we also believe that Disneyland churros can solve world peace and would love to buy the T-shirt. We are going down again in three weeks for uh, a longer stay and would love to wear them when we go. Um, we would also love to support the blog directly buying per- uh, by purchasing them on the site. My question is how fast do they typically ship? I'm Answered. Look at that. I know. Mm-hmm. We, we went too fast. Um, I'm also in the East Bay, so it wouldn't be very far. Uh, anyway, uh, keep up the fantastic history lessons because they are truly entertaining. Thanks for the laughs, Alan. 
Awesome. Well, Alan, I hope you guys are sitting down for this because we have not only History of Tower of Terror, but in the second show that we're recording tonight, which will be available in a couple of weeks, you podcast folks, um, Taryn is going to hit the uh, part two of the History of the Walt Disney Company. Yes. So this is definitely a part two thing. Um, and then our next block of shows, because people keep asking, and we actually have planned this out, we're recording next um, March 24th, I think is the date. Does that sound about right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. So uh, if we're still doing that, then we'll let you know on social media, I suppose. But uh, come on down. Hang out with us. Get a beer. Chill. Whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to book an interview. There's a guy who's, who has a, like a Disney documentary out. I'm trying to book him for an interview. Um, but I want, to, I want us to screen the movie first. I mean, come on. Right, right. Come on, right? Give me a screener, kid. Come on. <laughs> hey, guy, give me a screener. Uh, okay, so what uh, I realized the other day, what we didn't talk about the last time Taryn and I were at Disneyland, is we went on this hyperspace mountain thing. Did we talk about this at all? No, not at all. Uh, it's that overlay on Space Mountain, and I know we're super late to the party, but yeah. I, I don't care. Um, that's my show, I'll do what I want. Um, I hated it. I hated it, which is not going to surprise anybody. So it, they Can took, I counter just no, that, that Well, statement? yes, but hold on a second. So they, they took uh, Space Mountain and they kind of overlaid it where there's like a projection of TIE fighters and projection of X-Wings. And there's they threw some Star Wars stuff in there. Uh, but for me, I it, it wasn't enough to change the name. Uh, it seems very permanent. Okay. And I do, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that they're going to leave it like that because everyone's all gaga over Star Wars. I don't think that they would. Right, right. But people seem to love it, and I don't – you know, sometimes when projections are off or, like, things are off and it just looks awkward. Yeah. That's what it looked – it looked clumsy, and I just oh. – I, I didn't uh, – I don't know. I, I like Space Mountain the way it is, but if you add something to it to make it different, I expect it to be better. Right. And it wasn't better. It was, it was like um, – I entered a parallel universe. Was it? It was like Bizarro was Disneyland, like comparable to what they do with the um, Ghost Ghost Galaxy. Yeah, kind same, of thing? same. I thought it was same worse. Stuff. Wow, the okay. worse than the Ghost Galaxy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I go ahead. This is your counter time now. No, I was going to counter because when we got off the ride, you didn't hate it, but suddenly now you hate it. You you just you just disliked it. You didn't think it was as good, but it was okay. It was fine. okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's right. what I was going to counter. But right, and, I, and I guess I felt the same way. Is that like it wasn't? I just hope it's temporary. That that I got off the ride going. Okay, well that was fine. Yeah, hopefully that won't be here in six yeah, months. I yeah, I hope it, I hope it goes away. But that sign looks pretty permanent. Like everything about it looks real permanent, and that's it, what's terrifying. It wasn't a plus. It was it was seriously no. it was it was like an all you entered a wormhole and everything looks the same but different. I don't know. I just I to me it left me going why why did they do this just to put hyperspace in there just to make it Star Wars themed. To get more people into the parks, which, okay. look, you're a business. That's fine. But it didn't do anything for the ride. It detracted from the ride. So besides the TIE Fighters projected on the ride itself, yeah. like during the tunnel part, what did they do? You know, the upward climb. What did they do in that tunnel? It looked like you were going, like, you know, had the lights streaming oh, by so you, doing, uh, like you're going through hyperspace or whatever. Huh. And supposedly there's a storyline now. <laughs> I don't know what it is because, uh, you know, you know those times when you ride rides and you can't hear. You know something's going on, but you can't hear because it's turned down too much. Right. That's what that's what this was. And maybe that was just that one time uh, because, you know, everything changes. But uh, I just, I don't know. I was really, it was dull. Okay. It wasn't plus. It was dull. It was dulled. To a, a, she, a, a, you know, I don't know, brushed. And I didn't like it. Maybe they uh, should incorporate like a uh, Revenge of Krampus kind of a overlay. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, oh, goodness. I will literally stab myself in the face. Literally? Literally. literally. Wow. 
hold you to that. In like 30 years, when they when they uh, you know take up Terrence well, and his I'm, ideas, I'm head of WDI. Right. <laughs> like I'm doing this just so, so my friend can stab exactly. herself in the face. Just one day doesn't yeah. matter. Just one day. I'm a little concerned Uh-oh. about the Imagineers. The this whatever group of Imagineers is happening right now. Okay. okay. It seems like, and we're probably is this a Terrence think? No, okay. no we're probably going to talk yeah. about this later. But like. It seems like this hyperspace mountain, the location and the the, the the location of Star Wars land. I think the land is great, but mm-hmm. it should be a DCA. Yeah. Um. I just kind of feel like, not that I know better than them, but I kind of want to just be like, what are you guys doing? Like, okay. It just sort of feels like, like the, the late eighties when Disney was it the late eighties? Nineties. The nineties, yeah. like maybe later 90s when like disney kind of started not being that cool anymore before they ramped back up i kind of feel like that's what's happening with like i mean this is what i figure we're probably going to talk about is that that ride that they announced or whatever the the new luigi thing Mm -hmm. like it just feels like everything is kind of like well it's all right yeah, nothing is uh, nothing is um, sparking any love for right. me. I mean, some of the the concept art for Star Wars Land looks great, but that's concept art. It's supposed to look great. You're selling; it's a selling point. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of technology that goes into what they're doing, and they think that technology is going to be able to sell, you know, whatever the new ride is. And also, I think they're trying to play to the crowd. They're playing to the audience. But if you look at what was happening when Walt was involved or when Tony Baxter was heavily involved. Right. They weren't playing to the crowd. They were basically saying, you know what? We know what you want. We're going to throw something in here, and you're going to love it. You may not – you have never thought of a ride that revolves around Song of the South with a a flume ride that revolves around Song of the South with a huge drop at the end of it. You never – you've – Never, no one put that into the suggestion box. In your wildest right. dreams. Right, but right. we're going to build this and you're going to love it. And now it seems like, okay, well, Star Wars is going to be the next big thing, so we're going to try to build as much stuff as we can around Star Wars, and then we're going to try to incorporate Star Wars as much as we can into yeah. the park. And I, I agree with it. It feels lazy and... Um, Almost like they're feels dis- ham-handed. like they're disinterested, kind of a yeah. thing, you know? Well, and I agree I, with Taryn to a certain extent because it does seem like in the, the mid-late 90s when it was just all about increasing the bottom line. Right. And I understand that. I'm not saying that co- corporations and companies and people in general shouldn't make money. That's what you go into business for. I totally understand. But... It's it's the um it, it's the the awkwardness and the ham handedness yeah. of of fitting wherever it's just like the frozen thing, yeah. But but I mean and you, you know when you start messing with things that that people love you love Space Mountain that that queue still gets over sixty minutes at times yeah. And there's no need for it. There's no need to plus it up because it is it's its own thing right. And I, 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 the overlay I didn't I, I think it was a, it was just blah. But right. now there it is, you know, and they made a permanent sign for it. Oh, whatever. Well, and honestly, that overlay could have been, they could have overlaid the queue, made the queue all yeah. Star Wars doubt, and then left the ride as is. And you're that right. would have been just fine. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, you're already in space. And right. first of all, not everything needs a, well, whatever, I don't want to bag on it. We're repeating the same thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, do it, you because know, it's still Space Mountain. But uh, eh, blah. Yeah. Blah. Uh, speaking of blah, uh, did anybody see the Disneyland 60th uh, show that was on ABC a couple weeks ago? No, I've only, I only saw two clips. I saw the uh, Dick Van Dyke 
uh, Step in Time, and then I yeah. saw the um, the Harrison Ford. They're paying me a lot of money to be here, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> and so Star Wars land, and that's really it. Um, I saw the entire thing. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. So Taryn and I watched it, and um, and this is the feeling that we got. But you know, I also I also asked about it on Facebook, and so we let our listeners mm-hmm. chime in, and uh, people were kind of agreeing with what I thought, you know, before I told anybody. But it was supposed to be a celebration of the park, right? And there was maybe ten seconds of footage of the park itself on opening day. It was mainly about song performances from people right. I don't care about or know. Like half yeah. the people they mentioned, I have no idea who who is this person. Who I don't know. Right. Um, and it was it was less about the park and more about the brand. And I think that was very awkward as well. Um, I just don't. Um, it left me like okay, whatever. The cool Dick Van Dyke was rad. Seeing Dick Van Dyke out there during doing Step in Time, I that do was love cool. Him, and I'm pretty impressed that he was able to keep up. Do that at yeah, 90. Right? That was very, very impressive. And he was still going. He was like still showing the, the new kids what's going on well, they, and everyone's clapping like, alright. They were holding his hands and I was like, oh man. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Do, do this. And yeah. then all of a sudden he starts getting into it and I was like, oh, that a boy. Yeah. There you go. Um, and I liked the um, Star Wars uh, thing. With uh, Han Solo came out and and uh, you know the yeah. I, I, I'm I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here Han Solo <laughs> yeah. that we've all come to know and love mm-hmm. um, and so that was cool to see kind of those things um, the Josh Gad segment was terrible <gasps> okay can I just say yes, I Taryn. hate that guy who is that guy Olaf. Olaf he's Olaf he is oh, the yeah. most like, like him. I, there aren't a lot of like actors that I just despise but every second he was on that thing I just wanted him. To, I wanted to turn it off. I think he Me is too, the actually. single most irritating person in entertainment right now. I would rather huh. watch Carrot Top, and he used to be the one I hated. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. wow. Ruthless. <laughs> That's saying Wait, a lot. Is this Carrot lit. Top before Taryn's lit right now. Steroids or after? Both. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Taryn's keeping it 100. <laughs> yeah, she um, is. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. It was. Uh, it reminded me of being in drama class with, like, freshman year of drama where you're trying to just be outgoing because that's what you think drama kids need to be. Right, right. And I was, I was like, uh, and then and then they showed him in the dream suite. I'm like, okay, this is actually something I care about. Mm-hmm. But he was on to show Secrets of Disneyland. Do you know what one of the secrets was? No, what? That uh, the female and the male park announcers are married. Okay, you. Do you think that most people? (laughs) That was one of them. The other was the dream suite. I thought that was kind of cute. The other was the the other was the bench, uh, the bench that Walt sat in, uh, but that has a plaque on it. It's not a secret. It's the it's a thing. They went to Walt's apartment, so that was cool for people who've never seen it. Right. Um, And then there was like some other stuff, and you're like, what? Who? It it, it was shrill, and it was not. I don't know. It was very awkward, and I didn't like it. Anyway, if you didn't see it, folks, you didn't miss anything. Uh, Kermit sang, um, you know, Rainbow Connection, so that was cool. I, love I like Kermit. Kermit. And then uh, that's it. Boring. Boring. Totally uh-huh. boring. But he's saying it with some chick that I didn't know who she was. Yeah, I didn't know who she was either. But it, it brings it brings us kind of back to what we were talking about, uh, Hyperspace Mountain, and kind of what we were t- been talking about in general. It seems like nobody cares. It seems like no one really cares about what is happening, um, and it's just about pushing brand over park, I guess. And okay. And maybe that strategy is fine. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I would have liked to see more of the park history. We're, we're right. talking 60 years of Disneyland, mm-hmm. not of the company, uh, but of this particular park. So let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about the evolution of it. What What's not – basically do our show. Yeah. What's not there anymore? What what's, used to be yeah, there? What could exactly. have been there? Exactly. Yeah. You're, yeah. I, I would like to see – you know, dedicate the whole thing to Walt and his vision and how his vision is being carried on you know, after his passing. Kind of a thing, but not. I really want you to watch it and see how little of it was about Disneyland because it's not an exaggeration. It was like total. It was a two-hour thing. Mm -hmm. Of that, I would say two to three minutes was about Disneyland. That's ridiculous. I mean, they had. I mean, they had Elton John play in front of the castle, which is cool, I guess. And they had um, Adele Dazeem sing (laughs) in front of World of Color. Um, oh, but I, I didn't like her performance. I thought it was really weird. A lot of people loved it, but I was like, am I missing something? Am I the only one that thinks she's not very good? Oh, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I've only <laughs> honestly only ever heard her sing that one Frozen song, so I don't really okay. know who she is. I saw her in concert. Yeah, was she amazing? Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see? Right. You were really excited to see her, too. I went, well, I took Abby. Mm. Fun, yeah, for to take Abby, but oh yeah. man, spin speaking of high school drama, <laughs> so there was a group of kids in front for the adult Zim show or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were like screaming out the thing, and they're like overacting to go let it go, and they're doing like the things and the rah because they knew they were going to be on TV, and I'm like, yeah. everyone entirely needs to calm down, like everyone just needs to chill out for a second. Uh, yeah, whatever. You didn't you didn't miss a whole lot. I I just I was a little disappointed in it. Um, all right, Taryn, you ready? Sure. Well, I realized last night, actually, that um, my thoughts are in British. Um... When I when I'm thinking about like when I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm thinking about the conversations I had throughout the day or the conversations that I'm going to have tomorrow or whatnot, um, I realize that all of those conversations in my head are in a British accent. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Can't even. I just want to point out that that's not even a singular think. Like that's just how her brain works <laughs> on the daily. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had a whole other think picked out, and uh, last night when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, "That's weird." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, oh. You literally cannot make these things up. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I really can't stop hearing Taryn stinks. All right, Therese, give us some history. All right. Um, uh, first of all, here, swing your, fix your microphone. I'm trying to keep it out of the line of the. camera Don't worry about the camera. You okay. Just we need to do what sounds good. So, okay. but like pull it because you you push it out of its holder okay. and then it, it angles down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So go ahead and fix that. There you go. There good job. Go. Yeah, that's a microphone. It's your friend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
built in 1917, the Hollywood Tower Hotel oh. was an elegant destination for the showbiz elite during cinema's golden age. The hotel's tower soared 13 stories high, a pinnacle of luxury and modernism in their day. On the unusually stormy night of October 31st, 1939, a massive bolt of lightning struck the towers, scrawling its sizzling signature across the facade of its elevators, which vanished, never to be seen again. In the wake of the catastrophe, the hotel was abandoned and left to crumble into the debris of history. As for the five unlucky guests inside the elevator that night, they were never found. Perhaps they're resting in peace, somewhere in the hotel's ruins. Or perhaps their stay never ended. Perhaps you'll find out as you check into a room with the view of the Twilight Zone. So, what was wrong with your voice there? No, I, know, I was just trying to be dramatic. Okay. So um, that is the. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been listening back to old shows, and I've been listening to a lot of the feedback, and a lot of the feedback revolves around Terrence says things that are just ridiculous and I yeah. scream at <laughs> when when he says these things and I've realized yeah. that as we've as, as I've, I've gotten kind of lax with my with my opinion so I'm going to say something okay cool. okay I've already said DCA pound for pounds the better part yeah okay yeah, yeah okay yeah you have I will say when if you're going to be wrong again <laughs> hey, there's, there's I, only one way to find out okay then I I would say that there is no attraction in Disneyland that I like more than Tower of Terror in California Adventure. That right. is, so that's I, your favorite ride. That's why that's, I like that ride more than anything in California. My, my in Disneyland, my favorite ride is still uh, Radiator Springs Racers. That's my favorite ride. But I, Tower of Terror, in my opinion, is better than any ride in really? Disneyland. Yes. So All there, right. so there <sighs> is no ride in Disneyland proper that you like. More than, Tower of, than Tower of Terror. Yes. So do you like, but you like Radiator Springs racers. More than Tower of Terror. More than Tower of, okay. Right. Yes. That's a weird way to let say me, but Okay, got it. Let me, I think, drop some knowledge here. All right. I don't think you love this. I mean, you may love this ride. Mm -hmm. If you do, that's fine. Whatever. You love this queue. No, the queue is fantastic, but I actually enjoy the ride. And it's. Oh. Like a ten or a thirty second ride. No, like, I, I don't no but you don't well, don't on. you know? It's his opinion. I, okay. I enjoy okay. this ride, and I enjoyed I enjoy the ride. I I appreciate it even more after doing some research on okay. what it is and how it was done. So normally when we do these shows, like if there's a ride that's in Walt Disney World and is also in uh, Disneyland or Disneyland California Resort, we normally just kind of acknowledge the fact that it's in Florida, but we really stick to what happens in Disneyland. But I can't do that. Because this ride was um, developed in Florida, built in Florida seven years, I mean, sorry, ten years before it came out here. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to really go into detail of what they did in Florida, how they decided uh, what was going to happen, and then what they brought to us on our side. So, um, so, um, so, tw uh, so the Twilight Zone uh, started being planned in the late 1980s. Uh, they needed something because they were going to be building, um, you know, this thing called Epcot, and they wanted something that was huge and be different, something that would draw people to the park. So um, they decided that they wanted this to be one of the pavilions there. Uh, two of the things they were planning at the same time were this, and then another thing that Jason really likes called the Great Movie Ride. Mm. Love that thing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo of every scene uh, uh, down, <laughs> running from my hip down to my ankle. 
<laughs> so I can look in the mirror and relive my tra- my terror. That's oh, a tower of terror. That's, a, that's, yeah. a, ta- that's a ride of stand, terror. Stand there. that right on its end. That's a tower of terror. <laughs> so, um, so they decided they wanted to shoot a great movie ride. <laughs> they also wanted to have some kind of a haunted hotel that would um, be a ride but also be a resort hotel. So they wanted to have a hotel attached to this ride. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. which is – That would have been amazing. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I'd stay there all the time. It's a crazy idea to think of people staying – adjacent to a ride you know not like what you see in california adventure right now when you're kind of by the park but literally you're part of the ride uh michael eisner who was the ceo at the time decided that uh the idea that the ideas that they had for the hotel was so good that instead of being part of the epcot park they were building that this should be the anchor of a completely new park so they decided that this part we're going to build something completely different uh they also knew that um what was happening in orlando at that point is that there was another park that was opening, which was Universal Studios, that uh, they were trying to compete with. So they really started pushing to do something that was going to be able to compete with it. So they wanted to build a park that was going to be kind of a studio backlot-themed park uh, dedicated to Hollywood and TV production in general. Uh, So they wanted to have movies and TV shows produced there on site. So they had recently... um, purchase a, a licensee agreement for uh, Metro Goldwyn and Meyer, which is MGM. So the new park was branded Disney MGM Studios. Now it's called Hollywood Studios. Uh, the park opened in 1989, um, and they were competing with Universal Studios, which opened in 1990 in Orlando. Uh, and it only had two completed attractions at the time. The first one was the studio backlot tour, and the other one that was completed was the great movie ride. So in the fall of 1989, to really push this idea of this haunted motel, they brought in Mel Brooks. <laughs> I want this to sink in. Holler. They brought in Mel Brooks, who is the guy who has written three of the fi- five funniest movies of all time. <laughs> okay? They brought in Mel Brooks. Uh, they uh, And actually, I made a list. I made a list. I actually went through his movies. Okay. Um, Five funniest movies of all time, in my opinion. Blazing Saddles, number one, Coming to America, number two. Young Frankenstein, or Frankenstein, if you will, number three. I want. Spaceballs. <laughs> really? You think that's in the top five funniest Dude, movies of all movie time? that hilarious. Oh, okay. And then Dumb and Dumber. He wrote Dumb and Dumber? No. Top five. I said oh, top five. Three I don't care what five. your top five are. <laughs> no, Who I, cares? Do you disagree with my top five? Yes. I'm sorry I didn't put Love Guru in there. <laughs> okay, Young then. Frankenstein would be num- my number one. Then we have nothing to talk about Young because you already apologized. <laughs> yeah, thank you for forgiving me. You're so uh, Mel Brooks, um, Michael Eisner, Marty Sklar, and C. McNair Wilson, and the rest of the Imagineering team uh, were assigned to work on this new ride. Tell me your top five Imagineering team. Uh, <laughs> Walt, Walt Marty Sklar. Okay, so... Um, so the meeting, the meetings, uh, the meeting was the beginning of an attempt by Michael Eisner to bring Mel Brooks over to Disney and have him produce his movies at the new Disney MGM Studios. Okay. Um, and just as a side note, after this meeting, the only movies that he directed at that uh, after that were Life Stinks, which was a flop, Robin Hood Men in Tights, which I thought was pretty good, like and that. Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was a major flop. Mm-hmm. So. But Michael Eisner uh, was trying to bring him over. He knew that uh, Mel and his son Max were huge Disney fans, um, and Eisner was hoping to use this to his advantage. To sweeten the deal, Eisner wanted to have Mel Brooks head up the creative team for this new ride. 
So uh, Mel Brooks was hesitant, of course, because he didn't really know anything about designing rides. He didn't, you know, he didn't know this was going to be a good idea. What a weird, what a weird concept. If I can just interrupt real fast, no, go for it. What a strange. Here's a comedian who writes movies, Mm -hmm. and you want him to to organize a ride. I I, yeah, that's the weirdest. I mean, that's trying to pull a a page out of Walt's book. We're and, like, oh, I've never written a, a musical. Well, I think you can do it. Right. What? Well, I think one of the things is that Mel Brooks, he was, I mean, he was hot at the time. He was, mm-hmm. he was getting, he had a lot from 77 to 85. He had some pretty good movies that were coming out. And so he's, he's saying, okay, look, I'm going to give you the opportunity to design this ride. Your name's going to be on the ride. Like 20,000 people a day are going to see this. It will keep you relevant. Come on over, design the ride, produce your movies here. I just, I just, I mean, but I, I, I get it. I think it's a terrible, it was a terrible even choice. Right. Because the guy was putting out funny movies. Right. You can't have something called The Tower of Terror and have, have Mel well, Brooks' name attached don't to it. Don't forget that it wasn't named yet. Okay. These were just a, the, just a preliminary part of designing the ride. So it wasn't so it was going to be a comedy yet. ride or something? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. All right. Okay. Sorry. That's no problem. So, um, so Mel made about six trips to the Imagineering. He made a bunch of phone calls, and they are trying to figure out what they are going to do with the ride. So um, the ideas began with an idea entitled Castle Young Frankenstein. So they would make a castle based on the movie Young Frankenstein. Okay. Uh, it would be a Bavarian village with winding streets to the castle with a drawbridge. Uh, the queue line would be towards the back of the village with an indoor line that would kind of feel like pirates, where there would be a lot of things on the wall, a lot of things going on to kind of make you feel like, feel like you're actually you know, in this village. Uh, the idea was later changed to Mel Brooks Hollywood Horror Hotel. Uh, this hotel would have a lot of sight gags and be more of a B-type movie, uh, B-type movie ride than anything truly scary. Now, while this was going on and this team was talking about it. God, you know what it sounds like? I'm going to interrupt again. It sounds like it. the cue for the Muppets where it's all puns and sight gags. And you're like, oh, okay. If it wasn't the Muppets, it'd be like, really? But it's the Muppets, so you got to love it. But it's the same thing with him. It's that right. his movies are puns and sight gags. And so if right. it wasn't. Mel Brooks, then it wouldn't be okay, kind of a thing. That's what he's figuring. Yeah, maybe. Okay. At the 60 40. At the, at the same time, uh, C. McNair Wilson, who was part of the team that designed this ride, and mm-hmm. Bob Weiss were trying to create ideas for a 1930s Art Deco hotel based on the Wiltern Hotel or Wiltern Theater in LA that would actually be the back hotel that would connect to Mel Brooks' ride. Uh, okay. In fact, and it was actually interesting. I, I looked at Google Earth and looked at it. If you look at the back of the Walt Disney World version of the ride, they left plenty of space back there for a hotel to be <laughs> connected. Um, one of the things when they were throwing around the idea of we're going to have this 1930s Art Deco kind of hotel connected, uh, the Kirk brothers, who were two Imagineers, they had a plan that if someone was coming, was flying into Orlando and we were going to stay at that hotel, they would be picked up from the airport in a 1938 Woody station wagon awesome. and be shuttled immediately to, to the hotel. That's hotel. awesome. I wonder how expensive that would have been. Oh, it would be crazy expensive. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool, though. <laughs> so, so they're doing all these things, and they're trying to work on what's going to happen with the actual hotel while they're trying to work on what's going to happen on the ride. And they're getting better ideas for the hotel where people would stay, and the talks are kind of breaking down for what's going to happen with this with the ride, and they're coming up with crazy things like, yeah, at one point, the elevator's actually going to crash through the walls, and then you'll be pulled back in. And and Mel, you know, kind of not sure exactly where they're going with this and what to do, um, he decided to leave the project, and he made the movie Life Stinks. 
So now they have all these ideas. And art, they have, art imitates life, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 So they, they have all these ideas, uh, but they don't have any, any way to brand it. They don't know what they're going to do. Uh, all they know is that they're going to have some kind of 1930s Hollywood-themed hotel, but they don't know what it's going to be called. That's the, the general idea they settled on after all that exactly. weird wackiness. That's okay. a general idea. Yeah. And Mel, I mean, he was, he was confused because they would go from – you know, point A to point Q, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't. He didn't know exactly what they're trying to do. So uh, they started looking around. They started to see if there was any movie rights that were available, and they finally found the movie right that was available, The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So the Imagineers decided to go through every episode of The Twilight Zone at least twice, looking for elements that they could incorporate and maybe change and tweak a little bit to add to the attraction, but that wouldn't detract from the att- attraction too much. So uh, one of the initial ideas they had were to incorporate cast members who would be dressed as different members of the hotel staff and would interact with the guests in the queue. Now, these people would be dressed almost like zombies. Like, they've been in the hotel since the accident happened, and they don't realize that the accident has happened. Mm-hmm. So they're you know trying to shuffle people who are in the queue to, to get on the ride, shuffle them to elevators to take them up to their room or say, hey, you know, your your room's ready or your limo's here, sir. So they're trying to do things like this to, uh, to try to keep you um, engaged while you're in the queue. Uh, another thing that they decided to do was um, they they loved the idea of an elevator leaving and crashing through the wall, but they didn't think that that technology was available. So they decided to try to come up with a way for the elevator to leave the elevator shaft and travel through an area into a different elevator shaft. So they came up with something called the Autonomous Guided Vehicle, which is AGV, um, and it's wire-guided. Now, many moons ago, I worked at a, uh, a, a warehouse, and I know that wire guidance is basically a laser in the front of a vehicle, in the back of a vehicle, and a, um, a rut, a very, very small rut cut into the floor, and the lasers make sure that the vehicle is always lined up with the rut. So what they're able to do is to take the elevator from one shaft, the uh, show shaft, and take it all the way through to the drop shaft and take it in there. So um, it was the first time an elevator actually left an elevator shaft and went <laughs> into a different elevator shaft. Um, they also decided that if they wanted to make sure that everything was going to be secure, they wanted to use uh, Otis elevators. Now, if you get in the elevator anytime soon, look to see who's ma- who it was made by. It's probably made by Otis Elevator because they're the largest elevator manufacturer in the world. Um, and so they went to them and they said, we have an idea for an elevator ride. And they said, okay, that's, that's great. Now, I meant to mention um, a lot of the promos beforehand showed people standing up in this elevator. Nope. Uh, right. But when they're like, this is going to be a free fall, they're like, yeah, we can't have people just yeah. banging around into each other. We should have some kind of safety to go along with it. So they went to Otis Elevator, and they said, we have an idea for a free fall ride. And immediately, Otis Elevator said, we want nothing to do with it. <laughs> and they went, why in the well, world? Well, I could see why. Right. It's like everyone's biggest fear is to be in an elevator, and all of a sudden, the elevator plummets. Like, why would we want to put our name on this? And they said, well, right. well, we're, you know, we'll acknowledge the fact that you're the ones that created the elevators for us and that you did all the safety stuff. And so they said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. So the attraction opened in 94, um, and it was just amazing. It was an immediate success. Um, and then by 2001, it was already slated to come to the West Coast. They were planning to bring it out for Westcott, which never happened. So when DCA was was uh, being planned, they said, okay, we're going to bring this right out as well. So uh, California Adventure was open in 2001, and it was open. Like it was yeah. just, I mean, it was just bad. You know, it was, yeah. they had, um, it screaming. was another place to go. Ex- exactly. <laughs> it, it alleviated some of the crowds and it had beer. 
So right. um, they needed another e-ticket ride. So because of the success of this ride um, on the East Coast, they decided to bring it out. But they didn't have enough space to do everything that they did on the East Coast. So they decided that they wanted to tweak some things. So see, these are some of the things that they changed. Um, in order to conserve space and money, the Imagineers redesigned the entire ride system. Um, at the East Coast version, when the ride goes down, the ride goes down. No one's able to ride it at all, especially since you're exiting uh, the elevator shaft and you're going through a different shaft. If one of the elevator shafts goes down, they just close the entire ride. Uh, they said, you know what? We don't want to do that. We want to have higher capacity. So instead of having uh, two ele elevator shafts like they do in Florida, uh, in California we have three. All three are, are operated separately by their own pulley system. So if something happens with one elevator shaft, then you can fix that one elevator shaft and you still have two functions. What do you mean something happened? What happens yeah, in it? What I, do you mean if something happened? I hate we'll even get to thinking the about that. We'll get to the safety portion of it. Um, there, uh, also, we'll, yes. quick disclaimer, a good way to judge park capacity is to look early on and check those out. And if they're running all three, it's a good sign that the park's it's pretty busy. packed that day. How do you know they're running all three? Because you, you can see them. You can see them. They Oh, visually stand and watch. Yeah. I thought you yeah, just meant no, like, like on an no, app or like something like that. No, like look at the oh, okay. ride itself and you can yeah. see which elevators mm. are running. And then good you're note. like, oh. That's a good note. Yeah. Um, this is easy. So each um, each elevator shaft has an upper, uh, upper, an upper and a lower <laughs> loading level, meaning that uh, while one show is in the show shaft going up and down and, and doing the entire thing, they could be loading another elevator. So as soon as that ride is over, the next ride can start. So they not only increase capacity by 50% by adding um, an additional you know, elevator shaft for them to do, but also yeah. by having two different uh, loading levels. Um, and they also decided that was such a great idea. When they built Paris and Tokyo, they did that in theirs. Um, and they completely got rid of the fifth dimension portion because they didn't have enough space. Um, I love that band. Fifth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to talk about what you're asking about what could happen um, – they have uh, 2,000 horsepower drive engines for each elevator shaft. So um, it's basically called a closed loop. So you have a um, – basically the, the wire is going from the very top of the building all the way back to the bottom of the building and coming back up to the top of the building. Because when you're dropping, you're not being pulled down by just gravity. You're actually being pulled down. So you're dropping faster than the, the speed of gravity. Uh, each of the uh, cables that connects to it, there's eight cables that connect to the elevator shaft. Each of them is strong enough on their own to hold a completely loaded um, elevator, uh, but they have eight of them just in case, and if one of them snaps, the ride shuts down immediately as well. Um, eight. They have eight, eight redundancies, or seven, just I guess. In case. Yeah. Just in case. You know, that I, does make me feel better. Okay, see? <laughs> Will you go on the ride now, or do you still hate it? I still hate it, but I do, and I do go on it. Okay. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I, I hate it. I hate thinking about it. I hate standing in line. I hate getting into the seat. I hate it when it starts. And then when it's done, I'm like, huh, that was kind of fun. <laughs> I love standing in line for it because the queue is awesome, which I'm sure line. you're talking about. But I won't, I, won't, I won't go on it, not because, I mean, I, I hate the ride, but because it scares me because it does its job too well. Mm -hmm. okay. It's like a scary movie that you know it's, it's a movie, right. but it just freaks you out too much to even think about watching it. Okay. It's, it's like that. So it, it's a great ride. I recommend everybody go on it, right. but I hate it because it scares me. <laughs> even though I, I don't think my concern isn't that it's going to break or fall, but it does so such a good job of simulating that right. and then going up and then back down. And I that I don't like. Okay. So okay. the sensation I dislike, but the ride itself is fine. But I, I will never go on it because of uh, it because it does it does its job. Okay. All right. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. All right. So, um, which is why I love Taryn. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. So each ride, ha- uh, each vehicle has eight cables. That's my um, wife. <laughs> my wife. Uh, so there's also a system called the Otis Brake System that um, if a cable fails, it'll lock the car in position. Uh, there's also shock absorbers on the bottom floor. So if you do fall, there's shock oh, absorbers God. that help the fall. And you're, you're not going to fall. If all just, eight uh, cables break. Yes, if all eight cables break. They're shock yes. absorbers. So even though you'll break your legs, right. it'll you'll still be alive. Shock. You won't yes. die. Break your, you're sitting, so I you don't wouldn't know. break your legs. I don't know. So you'll break your spine. Yeah. Like your- Tailbone. Uh. Wow, it's the literal crew over here. I don't know. It's just just talking. <laughs> Sorry. Go so, ahead, Terrence. Please so, continue. Um, as you enter the ride, um, you don't it, actually enter the ride, Terrence. You <laughs> enter through a doorway which is connected to the ride. So as you enter the the beginning of the queue, and you're in the lobby of the hotel. It's not actually a hotel, Terrence. It's <laughs> it's a ride. He just called you Terrence. I know. No, I said so, Terrence. So um, as you uh, as you're in the lobby of the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Okay. Uh, you'll notice that there are a lot of antiques in there. There actually are antiques. The uh, Imagineers went throughout Los Angeles to a lot of different yard sales and estate sales and bought antiques from there. So they look like they're uh, time period specific. Um, they also had a fun time of creating cobwebs to put in there as well, uh, as well as throwing dirt at the walls <laughs> and the windows to make them look like they're old and tattered. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the only places in the park that's not ever cleaned. Hmm. They don't clean the lobby because they want it to look. I mean, they go back, they'll, they'll pick up garbage and stuff. Yeah. But like they don't go through <laughs> it's a bunch of popcorn everywhere. Like no, nope. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Well, Starbucks cup. Not clean. So, yeah. um, so the ride, the ride, um, the entire uh, pre-ride is hosted by Rod Sterling, um, and he was the original host of the Twilight Zone. Um, but the problem is that he died in 1975. Uh-oh. I've always wondered about this. Yeah. Okay. So, so sorry, Disney, I'm really excited. It's fine. Yeah. So Disney was able to use some clever editing of Sterling from the It's a Good Life episode of the Twilight Zone, um, and if you notice, they never show him for very long. You hear the voice and you see him mouth a couple of words, and then they cut to either an elevator or they cut to something else because they don't want to show you that it's not really him talking. So they found someone named Mark Silverman, and he is actually the voice of Rod Sterling. So you never hear Rod Sterling's voice. You just see him for a couple of seconds. And if you watch the It's a Good Life episode of Twilight Zone and you watch the intro to the episode, you'll see all of the scenes that you see in the pre-ride on this ride. Uh, So so then you go into the boiler room, um, either upper or lower into the boiler room, um, and we'll get to some of the things to look for in there. Uh, After you're loaded into the elevator, um, a star field appears um, against the door that you just loaded into, in from, uh, and you're pushed back. And Rod Sterling says, you are the passengers of a most uncommon elevator about to take the strangest journey of your lives. Your destination, unknown. But this is much clear. This much is clear. A reservation has been made in your name for an extended stay. And now you're in darkness and the elevator arises. Uh, the first stop on the elevator is the hallway with a large mirror. Uh, this is the West Coast version of the Fifth Dimension. Uh, since you never leave the elevator shaft, this is how they do something kind of spooky. Um, you see your reflection in the mirror as it says, wave goodbye to the real world for you have just entered the Twilight Zone. I, fe- I felt in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that sensation. Can you feel it? Because, because I know it. He just did like wow. a shudder. Yeah. I don't like it. This wow. is seriously the most stressful episode we've ever done. Like, okay. Can you really feel it like so, you're on the ride? No, yes. not not like okay. that. But but it just it, there's the twinge of like blurp. And that's yeah. like I'm <laughs> nervous right now. The only part of that ride where every time you know that that part happens, yeah. and then you do like the little like jumble, no, like it jumbles you around. 
No, I, don't I do think it. the ride's broken. Every time I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to die. So, <laughs> oh, Lord. Every time. Every, all 40 times you've done the oh, ride. Every so, time. So, um, so you wave to the mirror, and it has a reflection, and all of a sudden there's a lightning strike. Next time, sorry, next time you go, just start saying the rosary, like really loud. I'm not Catholic. I know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. The you could be Jewish. It doesn't matter. Learn it okay. because I want you to be in the front and just start going, oh, hell, Mary, feel great. And just like rubbing the, th- I don't know what, I don't know either, but I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> so you- <laughs> it'd really freak people out. Great. Oh, man. All right. So, so you're, you're waving to yourself. There's a lightning strike. And then you see a ghostly silhouette, of, uh, silhouette at yourself. You're waving to yourself. I've never taken my hands off of that stupid bar in front. Forget it says, about it. It says wave goodbye, so I wave every single time. No. Well, oh. this should teach you in later on in life when people go, wave goodbye, Terrence. And you're like, why? I don't understand. And then, and then you're gone. Uh, so so when, it, when the lightning strikes, uh, there's a ghostly uh, silhouette of yourself. And that's actually a thermal mirror. Uh, a thermal mirror. A thermal mirror. So it'll be... Um, like, um, like a, not heat seeking, but when you look at um, night vision, yeah, like night vision, where you can see the that's what it's doing. It's, it's basically uh, a mirror that's getting your body heat and okay. projecting your body heat back at you, kind of a thing. So, um, okay. so the image the image disappears. The elevator doors close. Um, the elevator moves up to the next show scene. Um, as the door reopens, you re- uh, it reveals a corridor of the hotel with an open elevator. I love watching you right now. An open elevator door at the end. No, yeah, and it says, I remember that. What happened here to dim the lights of Hollywood's brightest show place is about to unfold once again. Uh, then the ghostly apparition of the five guests uh, appears in the elevator. One stormy night, man, I can feel it. One stormy night long ago, five people stepped through the door of an elevator and into a nightmare. The door is opening once again, but this time it's opening for you. Now, when you see that, when you're looking at the the um, the hallway, the hallway looks like it goes on forever. Yeah. But the hallway is actually only 10 feet deep. Okay. So um, they use the Pepper's Ghost effect, like what they do on Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. where uh, there's a piece of glass angled halfway down the hallway at a 45-degree angle. And it's the same height and, and width of the hallway. And then there's a projector off to the right behind the wall that's projecting um, the people on there, the elevator, the people, everything else that you see. So it really isn't a deep, a deep elevator. It's just the Pepper's Ghost effect. So after you see that and you see the elevator drop, the elevator makes its first drop. A second later, the elevator begins its drop sequence. The elevator drops all the way to the first floor. It rises up to the 13th floor where your picture is taken. The elevator drops two-thirds of the way down, rises back up to the top, and then drops all the way down again. Um, like I said before, the elevator. Is it the same every it time? It's really slow at it's the top, the and you think really? it's about to oh end, and then it just does it all over again. Yeah, yeah like, every time I'm like, this one's different. It keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's the same one every time on our on our side. Uh, so, like I said, they're actually pulling the elevator down to pull you down faster than the speed of gravity. Um, and that helps make sure that you levitate while you're on the ride. Actually, well. gravity doesn't have a speed, Terrence. It pulls you down faster than, than gravity would pull you down. And the force okay. of Okay, than the force gravity. of gravity. Yeah. All right, so um, so actually when you exit the well, – so it drops you all the way down and actually drops you down a, at level lower than where you entered the ride. And then depending on where you loaded in, either top or bottom, you'll walk down a set of stairs. You'll walk into their uh, perfectly placed uh, gift shop. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out the side and walk up a gradual ramp to get back. Um, but like I said, this is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So there's a lot of things 
um, that are homages to the Twilight Zone throughout the entire ride. Um, I, I should make this a, a checklist. Okay. Just see yeah. if people can find it next do time, it. the next time. So um, I know one. Yes. Which one do you know? The name. <laughs> Good job. So <laughs> you are correct, <laughs> okay, sir. Yeah. You are correct. Thank you. Okay, so there's uh, there's a there's a bunch, um, and these are some of them. Uh, when you're in the lobby, look for the uh, poster called the Tip Top Club. Uh, it's from It's a Good Life, uh, and the that episode is about a six year old named Anthony Fremont that can make anyone that annoys him disappear simply by using his mind, which would be a great power to have. Uh, there's a poster that features Anthony Fremont and his orchestra playing at the top of the tower. There's also a golden thimble from the episode called The After Hours. Um, in that episode, there's a lady named Marsha who's shopping for a gold thimble, and she finds it on the mysterious, non-existent ninth floor of a downtown de- uh, department store. So when you're in uh, the waiting room, right before you go in the library, so they have you loaded to the left or the right, there's uh, little uh, display cases right there. If you look in the display case, uh, you'll see a golden thimble, and it'll have a placard next to it that says, Looking for Mother? It's the very thing you need, available in our gift shop. Uh, there's also the broken stopwatch from uh, an episode called A Kind of Stopwatch, where um, a guy receives a stopwatch from a drunk man at a bar and a stop sign for everyone else but him. That's also, also in the... Also rad. Yeah. <laughs> that's that a good... That's, I, remember that, I remember that one, too. It has, oh, it has that famous dude in it. Not Roddy McDowell, but he plays like a drunk usually. I forget his name now. I'm not sure. Anyway, Mickey Rourke. Not Mickey yeah. Rourke. It's he like talks Mickey like Rourke. this. I think it was wasn't he Mickey and Rocky? Isn't that that guy? Oh, um, Mickey, Mick, Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Rooney. No, not Mickey, not Mickey Rooney. Rooney. I know oh man, it's right there, right on the tip yes. of your dome. I know, I know, what you're talking about. Okay, so um, <laughs> no, I want to find out. Who I know. I'm what, to... Do you have the episode name? Yeah, the episode is a <laughs> kind of stopwatch. And every time I I read this, it made me think of um, Out of This World. With, uh, oh, with Evie. With Evie, Evie. Ethel oh, Carlin. Yes. I wanted to be her so bad. <laughs> Me too. That was a great show. Such a good show. I used to know the song. Yeah. Um, swinging Would you on like a to star. swing on a star? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. 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 So um, also, <laughs> yeah, also if you look um, but between the elevators, there's a door uh, labeled door 22. Above it, it says door 22. Um, and that's from an episode mm. called 22. It's not him. It's Richard uh, Erdman is who, who oh. played the main character. In Look that, up who, who, um, who, who the Mickey guy. is. I want to know what his name is. Okay. Anyway, so um, in, ep- in the episode entitled 22, uh, there's a hospital patient who has a reoccurring nightmare about taking the elevator down to the hospital's morgue room. Um, and 22 is the line between nightmare and reality, and it begins to blur for her. Um, you'll see a red toy telephone. Uh, from the episode called Long Distance Call, in which uh, this one's creepy. Five-year-old Billy talks to his recently deceased grandmother through a plastic phone that she gave him just before her death. Creepy. Oh, <laughs> and how many how many horror movies have been based on just that premise? Yeah, I know. Since then, right? Yeah, I know, man. This show was so good. Talk about recycling. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Mickey apparently was a mouse who was created by Walt Disney. <laughs> Uh, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. Oh, that, and he was in the. I think he was in the one with we broke the glasses where he was the last man on earth. Yeah. Yeah. In here too, but he's okay. also oh, um, he's, he's a penguin. He's, he's a the, penguin from Batman. Yeah, yeah. It, true. Okay, so then when you're in the library, when you're about to enter, uh, you know, you're about to watch the movie and you're about to go onto the ride. Everyone mm-hmm. just pays attention to what's going on on the TV, but try to look around before everyone gets loaded in. Try to look around. Uh, there's a row of books near the exit that you go out towards the broiler room. 
And if you look at the row of books, every book is named after a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. And actually, every one of the, those books contains the entire script from that episode as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, in, inside of there, um, inside of that room as well, there's a pair of glasses from Time Enough at last. Um, and this is where the guy uh, never had time to read until an event wiped out all life on Earth. And then, ironically, his glasses break. Oh, it's so sad. But, but you know, really go down to the mall, oh, okay, and there's okay. half a dozen on the wall that will <laughs> probably glasses. match. You, 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 you have some okay. readers. You'll be fine. That is true. That go is down true. to the five and done, bro. <laughs> but it is just, it just shows you. you get, uh, never mind. Were you about to that ex- was, explain that I had a moral? It, I okay. was, but All then right. I realized I didn't need to. All right. I, I has a moral. I am Captain Literal over here. So the, if you look on a, um, and that's the thing, if you look on a stack of books, um, you'll see the round rim glasses that are cracked. Burgess Meredith was the lead role in that episode. Uh, you look for a trumpet called from a passage for a trumpet. Uh, Joey Crown is a down on this luck trumpet player who, after a suicide attempt, finds himself in a state of limbo where he cannot be seen or heard by others. And uh, it's waist high uh, on top of a Ouija board. Uh, and that's where you'll find the trumpet. Okay. Look um, for a miniature spaceman from a, one called the Invaders where an old woman uses a hatchet to battle two tiny space aliens. Um, and it's on top of the bookshelves in the library. That one's a little bit more difficult to find. Um, there's a thing called the Mystic Seer, which is a little red box with a devil's head on top. Um, and that's um, on top of the bookshelves as well. When you exit that room and go into the boiler room, uh, this one, this is always the most freaky episode to me. Called the uh, Look for a chalk circle on the wall and a radio playing a little girl's voice. This is from Little Girl Lost. Uh, six-year-old Tina disappears from her bed and became trapped in the fourth dimension where she can only be heard through a radio. So if you look on the upper floor, look for a huge circle drawn on the wall um, and tell everyone around you to shut up, and then you'll be able to hear the little girl's voice as well. Everyone, shut up! Listening for a little girl. Um, so uh, there are also a few hidden Mickeys. Yes. Oh, how great would it be to be like, I lost my daughter. Has anybody seen her? <laughs> <laughs> and then be like, Honey, is that you? Like the baby little wall. Oh, oh, that's sick. Best idea ever. (laughs) Oh goodness. There's also (laughs) there's also some hidden makeys throughout the ride. Uh, The video that you watch in the library, the little girl is actually holding a uh, 1930s style Mickey Mouse doll as well. Um, As you pass through the right side of the lobby um, and enter the lower elevator loading area. Um, there's a catwalk right above you, and shining on the catwalk, you'll see three lights that form a, a hidden Mickey. Uh, the hidden Mickey's basically right above uh, the queue for the elevator. Um, and then actually as you exit the tower and you go through the gift shop, uh, one of the windows displays um, has uh, several vintage cameras, and a couple of the cameras seem to, be, uh, seem to feature hidden Mickeys created by three round lenses uh, that they have there. Um, some of the things also about the ride... Uh, is that it's 186 feet tall as opposed to 199 feet tall for the Walt Disney World <laughs> yeah. one as well. Um, they uh, the linear induction motors like we're talking about with the that they have for the ride itself mm-hmm. are actually four times more powerful than the strongest elevators and high rises. So wow. um, if you've ever been to um, the tower gosh, in Seattle, I cannot remember the name. Uh, of Space right Needle. Now. Space Needle in Seattle uh, it takes you up pretty quick. It's four times faster than that as well. Um, and it's and this. This ride itself and the speed control system is ten times faster than any ride that was ever in any park in Disneyland. Even faster, wow. than, even even more powerful than the one that they have in um, in Florida. Um, they also have uh, two velocity tachometers on the elevator itself. 
that uh, checks the speed and the velocity every two milliseconds to make sure that it's within parameters. And if it's not, it stops the ride immediately. Hmm. Um, there are over 100 proga- uh, programmable uh, computers that are connected to... Sorry, programmable computers? I'm sorry, programmable <laughs> logic, logic controllers, or PLCs, okay. right. that are connected to the ride as well to make sure everything's going uh, going okay. Um, it took over 900 tons of steel to build it, uh, 1,600 cubic yards of concrete, 50,000 feet uh, square feet of plaster, and uh, they have no. over two miles of power cables running through the entire ride to uh, to try to control it. Um, it took it took it was about seventy between seventy and ninety million dollars to build this attraction. Wow! Yeah, and um, this one's crazy. Um, out of every costume that they have in either of the parks, this is the most expensive costume for them to uh, for the to cast purchase. members to yeah. wear. It's huh. over a thousand dollars per costume. What really? What? They make it time period uh, specific, not only in the look but the feel and the fabric and everything. It costs over a thousand. I don't believe that. I can't I believe that. Found it multiple places. No, I'm not saying you're. I'm yeah. saying you're wrong, but I can't. I, I refuse to believe that. Uh, There's no way. Your, well, that I mean, you keep raising prices. Well, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, with how much fabric they need, they they can buy for those things. Right. I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't believe that that's a thousand bucks per. A thousand dollars. I mean, what the, can the costumes be made of? Wool, probably. That's not yeah, that I don't expensive. Think it's wool. Yeah, it's, but I'm, I'm not sure if there's. Um, I mean, I couldn't find exactly what they have on there, but I'm yeah. not sure if they're. If there have to be antique buttons, if they couldn't find anything that they could be fabricated, it's that can Disney. Look. They can make them. No, I, I know. Yeah, I know. but yeah, it's that seems it's crazy. That, that is crazy. wild. I'd rather have. You know what? This is. I would rather them uh, keep their uh, their uh, costumes not period authentic and keep my prices lower. That's not going to happen. I know. I know that. But I'm just saying, like Disney, if you're listening, well, I got a few <laughs> things for you, but mainly for this right now. Don't worry about it. No one's ever going to know that. No one, no grandma's going to go, that's not a button that you could have gotten at Woolworth. Nobody's going to know that. <laughs> I would have also never looked at their costumes and been like, wow, that's done really well. I've never paid attention. No. Yeah. Never. Especially on that ride because it's so there's so much going on around. Mm-hmm. Like There's yeah. so many um, things. Things. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't the word I was going for, but that works, too. <laughs> I mean, the costumes are great, and you look at them, okay, you look like an old-fashioned bellhop, and that's what they were going yeah. for. But $1,000, cool. you wasted wow. your money. It's it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, to to put you at ease, like you, because you think it breaks every. Oh, I'm sorry, I was terrible. Thinks it breaks every single time. Um, like I said, it's on a closed loop. Uh, they invented something called a VVC, which is vertical vehicle conveyance, uh, which takes all the slack out of the cable as well. So there's literally no way that it can accidentally drop without all the cables breaking simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like the ride's going to break, it's not going to break. It's it's really okay. Um, there has been. Uh, only really one change to the ride since it opened um, from 2006 to 2008, and I haven't found anything of, of whether they do it now or not. Uh, they added Halloween decorations so during Halloween time, and um, they took them away because of the fact that the hotel is supposed to be a rundown hotel that's just been left to kind of, you know. So they wouldn't decorate. Right, exactly. So they wouldn't decorate. Um, and then lastly, mm-hmm. uh, something that I found online today um, there's only been one incident that's been reported at this ride. Um, you know, unlike what they did at Florida to start off, they, Florida had a lap bar that you would share with someone on the ride, and there are people yeah. getting injured because of that. This ride has always had uh, seat belts. They've always always really done things. Um, and the incident actually didn't even happen on the ride. It happened in front of the ride. Uh, there's a guy named Glenn Horlocker. 
uh, 53-year-old man who was arrested because he was drunk, <laughs> drunk in front of the ride and started um, started messing with a security guard <laughs> and was taken down by multiple people around um, only after being um, uh, pepper sprayed multiple times by the security guard. Oh, my God. Wow. And this is the Jeez. only reported incident that has ever happened like on, on this ride. like on the Disney no-fly list. Oh, right. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's, I mean... Don't let your kids watch it. But if you look at uh, uh, Tower of Terror uh, incident, <laughs> like this dude, this dude's trash. Not only is he trash, but he means business. Yeah. And it's like a 53-year-old guy <laughs> taking on a 63-year-old security oh, guard man. with this annoying uh, lady yelling in a, you're at Disneyland, there's kids here. And like not trying to help. And yeah. no one helps until like four minutes in when the poor guy, the poor security guy is like being overpowered. But yeah, that's the only incident they've ever had at the ride. Oh, welcome um, to my future. Drinking is his Sam. business, that's and Sam. business is good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then also last thing. Yes. Sorry. So um, behind the ride, there's actually a substation because they uh, like for submarines. Yes, there's a substation. There's actually a subway. Okay. A subway station. Oh, there's subway station. Though there's a, a, a sub power station because the ride takes a lot of power. Uh, for uh, each motor, uh, it takes twelve hundred volts per motor, which is a lot. That's that's a lot. How many so, batteries is that? Um, twelve hundred. Well, like nine volt batteries. No, nine volt batteries. Like make the math Three hundred. Three hundred. There you go, kids. Something. Build your own Tower <laughs> of Terror at home. Uh, oh, you can only build one elevator shaft at that point. That's, so all, that's all you need for home. So, so thirty six hundred volts per ride per thing per, per thing. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, Tower of Terror. Good job, wow. Terry. Good job. Thank you. I had no idea. Uh, me either. Uh, on almost all of that stuff. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that was that was almost all news to me. Present and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the ears up Disney news. Hey, we're doing Disney news now, everybody. What? Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? No. Okay, so we talked about uh, in the beginning of the show. The uh, magical, wonderful world of Disney, or it's the wonderful world of Disney, Disneyland 60, for their, you know, that little TV special they did. Yeah. And so I thought this was funny because we already talked about it, and, and I did this on purpose because uh, this is a, a, a pre-show thing. It was posted on February 19th, and I think it was like, I don't know, whatever it ended the previous night or whatever. Um, and, you know, they're, they're saying over two hours, special viewers will be treated to special performances by Elton John, Adele Dazeem, Jesse J, Tori Kelly, Fall Out Boy, and more, as well as a special inside look at Disney's newest park, Shanghai Disneyland, while Harrison Ford introduces new footage and shares news about the upcoming Star Wars. And first of all, I mean, I guess it was footage, but uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, Master of Ceremonies, Derek Hugh, which I had no idea who that was. Apparently, he's on Dancing with the Stars or something. Oh, I didn't know who he was. Uh. It's, uh... I think his name is Whatever. Else. Yeah. Uh, alongside Dancing with the Stars, Whitney Carson. See, they actually mentioned who she, where she's from. Uh, they did a Main Street number. Anyway, other familiar celebrities. Uh, I don't know who any of these people are. I feel are. like familiar needs to be in quotes. Jennifer Goodwin. I don't know. Uh, Jason Bateman, sure. Bryce Dallas Howard, have no idea. Uh, Josh Gad, unfortunately, I do know too much about. Uh, anyway, I thought that was funny. Like, familiar, like, Jennifer Goodwin and Bryce. Uh, okay. Jennifer Goodwin plays Jenny Goodwin. Snow White on yes. uh, Once Upon a Time. I love, love. And Bryce mm. Dallas Howard is uh, Ron, Ron Howard's, Howard's daughter. daughter. Okay, but I still, okay, never mind, you guys are missing. Yes, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm sure, I'm sure her lineage is awesome. Uh, so anyway, so the uh, uh, the executive producer, Jason Prager, or Evan Prager and Jesse 
Ignajovic. I can't pronounce his name. It's you know E Block. I don't know what it is. But anyway, Entertainment Weekly. This is from, and uh, these are these are very uh, awesome responses to these questions. So the first question, and I know it might be a little boring, but just stick with me. Uh, Entertainment Weekly says the special feels very similar to the ones Walt Disney himself used to host. How are you capturing that magic? And Jesse says that was a jump off. When you see the very first frame of the special, it starts with the original graphic from the Wonderful World of Disney and transitions into the 60th anniversary graphic. Yes, it did that. Uh, Everything we've done since we've uh, started developing this in summertime, so they've only been working on it since summer, uh, was to keep one foot in the archives and the history of Disney and to have that narrative carry through the show. As much as it's contemporary, and you'll see today's artists doing their versions of music and they're talking about Disneyland, we're also basing it in from all of that amazing footage from 1955 when the park opened. There was not all of that quote-unquote footage. It was maybe half a minute. It was really important to have that important to us to have that narrative weaving through the show. They lost that thread for sure. Uh, EW asks, you have a wealth of material to showcase during the special. How hard was it to narrow down what you're going to feature? Are you trying to get as much possible in? And uh, Evan Prager says, it's a challenge. We, uh, it's also network primetime. We want to make sure there's a great mix of entertainment. We wanted to do a bunch of musical performances, which means that it's taking up a big chunk of the show. Here's a newsflash. Nobody cares. You're tuning into the Disney special to see about Disneyland. Nobody wants to see Adele Dazeem perform Let It Go again. I completely agree. Nobody wants to see it. Completely agree. And I mean, really, they're trying to, they're taking all their other ABC properties Mm -hmm. and weaving the stars into there. Again, it's about the brand, but people are tuning into it for the park. I guarantee you, no one goes, dude, I don't know about anything else, but Josh Gad, I'm going to watch this now. Mm -hmm. No, nobody cares. (laughs) Make it about the park. Stay focused. Uh, and then Jesse says, obviously the music is such a big part of Disney, so it's making sure you touch on some of those big famous songs, w- which they did. Um, it's all about the animation. Uh, one of the packages, you got to have a heart, and that's looking at the Disney animators and how you bring these characters to life. That was fine, but it was really just celebrities waxing poetic about things that we already know about Disney. It was very much like a, you like Disney, don't you? Right. Don't you? We do, and you should too. We already know that because we're watching it. Right. We already know. We already feel these things. That's why we're watching it. We want to know more. Um, Subliminal messages. Totally. (laughs) Uh, One of them says that we're really conscious of trying to make sure there was the proper amount of archive packages. There was hardly any. Um, The other one says that part of Josh Gad's Behind the Magic piece where he takes viewers into these places like the Dream Suite, which is awesome. It was terrible. Um this is this is good. Did you have a lot of stars coming to you wanting to be involved? Yeah, everyone seems to have their Disneyland, Disney World story. With Sir Elton, it was really exciting. The offer went out, and there was immediate response of how do we make this happen, uh, blah, blah, blah. Other fans, or other artists are fans. Like Fall Out Boy wanted to do I Want to Be Like You. Jesse J is a huge fan. Jesse J was just a matter of working out her schedule because she was on Grease. Okay, I don't care. Tori Kelly wanted to. Everyone was like, everyone wanted to do this. Everyone was like really involved in it. They should have said no to some people. <laughs> I don't even know who Tori Kelly. No, it's not. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. But that kind of is the point. I mean, like, kind of is the point. Yeah. They um, probably could have gotten actually good, well-known people for this yeah. thing, but they didn't. I didn't know Fallout Boy was still a thing. <laughs> oh, they're be. they're like they're like our age and a thing. Yeah, it's hilarious. They fell out, hit the ground, and stayed there for a while. <laughs> but they should have stayed there. Um, it was kind of cool, you know. It, it, oh, this is this is great. Enough people are. are t- 
enough to get people super excited, but leaving you wanting more. We're still negotiating a trip to Shanghai. I want to see that in person. We're huge Star Wars fans. It was really easy because I think Harrison wanted to be a part of it. He was excited. I don't think he was excited. No, he didn't he seem like it at all. That man hasn't been ex- that check. He hasn't been excited in 20 years, dude. <laughs> Um, so anyway, they did show some some again some uh, a couple of images of Shanghai Disney, but it wasn't that exciting. Um, there is just concept art like that thing's supposed to open like in the summertime. Like, yeah. why are we just seeing concept art still? That Tron ride looks amazing. I guess is that all held indoors? I guess it looks cool, but it it's just be. a roller coaster. Should be because I, of the air quality. They probably yeah. can't work because they're shut down every other day for air quality yeah. problems. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, that was weird. Um, so just to, 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 you know, to trail on to that, um, the big news at the Disney 60 celebration was the Star Wars Land concept art, which to me, it looked like um, it was, it's too big of a world to put into the 14 acres that, yeah. they're, that they're slotting out. So I yeah. think like most of that concept art is probably going to be in Disney World where they have more room. I don't know how much, how many, how much acreage they're slating for that right. over there, but it just seems like it's just, too opulent, too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what do I know, man? I'm uh, I'm just a radio host. Um, apparently, there's going to be a, uh, a restaurant in there uh, that looks pretty cool. I guess it's supposed to be like the cantina. And, yes. You know, they animated these a little bit where they had the images like moving, um, and that was kind of cool. I'm sure there's clips about that online. So the concept art looks cool. There's going to be a couple cool rides um, that reminded me a lot of the Harry Potter um, escape oh, from Wizarding yeah. Gringotts or whatever it is. So there was a little bit of debate, at least on Facebook, about that the cantina mm-hmm. and whether or not it was going to have alcohol. There's, no, it's not going to no have alcohol. Way. There's no, but there's no there, debate. The, the, the debate was that at Disneyland, there is a restaurant in Disney. I mean, I'm sorry, Disney World in Magic Kingdom. There's a restaurant that sells alcohol. Yeah, but they're not. They're never going to do it at Disneyland. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll do either. I wouldn't mind, but I don't think they would do it. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a pretty good argument, but. We'll so see. I don't know. Check it out. Check, if you if you didn't see the special, check out the new the new Star Wars art. It's pretty cool. Um, speaking of something else that they uh, released the trailer for on the special was the new Pete's Dragon movie. They're they're doing a, a, a remake or a reboot of Pete's Dragon. I don't think I've ever seen Pete's Dragon. Oh, it's great. I get Pete's Dragon and uh, Puff the Magic Dragon confused. I also do that. I so everyone does. Um, I also, I, we watched Peach Dragon recently with Abby, and it's really cute. We really like it. This is, uh, yeah, I don't understand. So uh, as with the original, the story follows a young orphan named Pete, which is played by a kid called Oaks Fegley. <laughs> parents probably live in Berkeley. Um, who has managed <laughs> to survive living alone in the woods thanks to his friendship with an invisible dragon named Elliot. He eventually is taken in by Grace, who is Bryce Dallas Howard, a local forest ranger whose father is Robert Redford, has long delighted local children with stories of a mysterious dragon living in the wilderness. From Pete's descriptions, Elliot seems remarkably similar to the dragon from her father's stories. With the help of Natalie, Una Lawrence, uh, an 11-year-old girl whose father owns the local lumber mill, Grace aims to discover where Pete came from, where he belongs, and the truth about this dragon. Carl Urban co-stars in the film directed by David Lowry and written by Lowry and Durant. Incidentally, thanks to seeing it for the first time, uh, the original Pete's Dragon, and blah, blah, blah. Great. So I'm curious. Pete's Dragon, everybody. To see, to, to actually watch these side by side. Yeah. At the, the same time? No. Okay. No. Okay, one after the other, <laughs> Captain Literal. Hey, just asking a question. <laughs> I was about to applaud you. Um, because the first one, the father is basically a drunk. Yeah. And it's not 
I don't really think that obviously like what happened in the original movie would fly yeah. with the way the sensors are now. So I'm really curious to see how they change things. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. I still haven't seen it. Speaking of, um, I don't know, other movies. That's a good segue, right? <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of all the movies yeah. ever. Did we talk, have we talked about that they're making a sequel to Mary Poppins? Are you kidding me? What? Why? They can't. Wait, wait a sequel or a reboot? Sequel. I kind of want to just boycott everything right now. Emily Blunt is in talks for the lead role. Oh, come on. Julie Andrews is rolling over in her grave. I don't think she's, she's dead. She's not dead. It was a joke. <laughs> she, went, she went out to her yard, dug a hole, <laughs> laid down and, and rolled like in around. it. It was like, on principle, <laughs> I'm doing it. Uh, Disney had no comment, but a source with knowledge of the project say the untitled film will connect with Mary's changes, uh, charges, Jane and Michael Banks, now grown and with Michael's own three kids in need of a nanny. Mary and her lamplighter friend Jack, kin to Bert the Chimney Sweep, um, help the family rediscover the joy and wonder missing from their lives. Miranda's Disney ties are already included in the bar scene music for Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and the score for, oh, I don't know. Uh, the new film will be set in Depression-era London and include material drawn from the seven Mary Poppins books writer mm-hmm. P.L. Travers published between 1935 and 1988 following the initial novel. Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman will be composing original songs. Um, I don't know. There you go. Um, Are, is, uh, nope. Richard Sherman is re- uh, reputedly aware and supportive of the project. So there you go. He's got a little old school cred on that. I think I somebody guess. should just try... To come up with a new idea. Thank you. Just try. I really, it might fail. Just try it. I, I can't yeah. remember the last movie that was original. I really, I can't. I can't even think of the last movie that was an original idea. Well, again, because movie. I mean, because streaming is killing movies. I think there's so many things that are wrong now, uh, or uh, so many distractions that it's uh, people. Uh, it's a built-in audience. There's already going to be a segment of people going Mary Poppins, totally in. So maybe it's. Maybe it's 10% or 15% of the total people who will ever see that movie are know they're going to go see it just after hearing about it. Right. So they can bank on that a little bit. Like, at least they're going to make some money. Ugh. I think it's terrible. I think it's yeah. terrible. Uh, uh, you but know. I think you're right. Yeah, and again, it's, it's laziness. It is. Yeah. But that's how, sorry, that's how uh, Iger, or not, I, was I, Eisner, pulled yeah. Disney out of the hole is Absolutely. they released all of their things on video. Up until that point, Disney was banking on the, every seven years or so, they would release another movie into right. the into the uh, theaters. And they would take in tons of cash, but then home movies came in, right. and now Disney can't do that anymore. That's why you right. don't see Bambi on the big screen I- anymore. Yeah, they don't, sure, they don't yeah. re-release it because everyone has it now, because right. the people who were in charge before, uh, they ruined it. You know, They ruined the company. So, Were you going to say something? Well, I was, I was going to say the last movie that I can think of that was an, like an original idea was like Sharknado. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> and that was written on a dare. Well, it was written on a honest. challenge. The guy was, was like, really? yeah, the uh, the, oh. pr- the producer at, uh, I forget the, the, the name of the company, was like, hey, uh, you think you can write a movie about a shark-filled tornado? And the guy's like, hmm, let me see. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he wrote like four of them. And he succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then last but not least, uh, that uh, gaping hole that was left by Luigi's Flying Tires and DCA is now being filled by something called Luigi's Rollicking Roadsters. Uh, they love alliteration at the... Yeah, they do. You know, whatever the park is, DCA. Um, it opens March 7th, and there's a preview video. I highly suggest you go and look at it. It's on the Disney YouTube channel. But we're going to play some audio. Yes, we Beverly. take a poll. Okay. Do a, Before or after? an office poll. Okay. When the thread closes. 
<laughs> yes. Let's let's uh, let's listen to it now because it's you know yeah, look I know it's video and this is an audio thing right but uh, you know there's an interview and music. Now, Luigi, sing it for you. Why we go rollicking in Ready Either Spring? At Imagineering, we're always on the lookout to find new ways to tell new stories, especially in a place as rich and loved as Cars Land. Well. And we felt this was a great opportunity to bring Luigi's cousins over from Carsley, Italy, to be here for race day in Radiator Springs. Guests will ride along with our dancing cousins as they go through their dance moves inspired by Italian folk dances that they learned back in their village of Carsley. You'll see that 20 of Luigi's cousins have come over from Carsley, Italy, and they all have their own unique personality. They all have their own names. They have different paint colors, paint styles. Some have luggage racks. The boys have mustache grills. We have five Sexist. different songs that they'll be dancing along to, and each ride is going to be different and unique. There are 18 individual paths that the vehicles run on. Regardless of what color vehicle you are on, they will switch paths on every run. And some of the paths are very unique and will take you into the center of the dance floor. Some of them are. Where every, all the other cars are dancing around you. We have designed two special vehicles to accommodate our guests with disabilities and so that they are able to enter the cars and enjoy the attraction with their families as well. Being part of the opening team and seeing the attraction being built from ground up is just a once-in-a-lifetime experience because, again, not everybody gets to see this happen. Working with Walt Disney Imagineering is great experience as well because we get to meet everyone that gets to breathe life into this attraction, this experience, and it's just such a great partnership. The thing that I'm most excited about this attraction is that it is designed for the entire family. So all of us on the Attractions Project team are, are super excited to invite all the guests to come in and see what everybody has done. We're so proud of the attraction, and we just can't wait for everybody to dance with all the cousins. Ciao, Bella. And there you go. No. Man, I wish you guys could see this. Not only I wish you guys could see the video, but I could wish you could see the blank stares in the studio right now. It's just not... I mean, the, the the so looking at the dance, the quote unquote dance moves, where it's really just they're riding around on an autonomous. Tr there's no track. Technology looks cool, right? Right. Um, but it's like the Mater's Junkyard Jamboree all over again. Mm -hmm. It looks less fun. It looks. It looks. I mean, you know, the last part where everyone's like, okay, maybe when you're sitting there looking around, like, oh, we're all line dancing essentially is right, what we're doing. Exactly. I don't understand how that is. It's going to be fun, but look, Luigi's la it, Luigi's broke down all the time, and it lasted what two or three years or whatever. So you know, who knows how long this will last? But I guarantee you, there's not going to be a long line for it after no. two months. This ties into exactly what we were saying earlier. I don't feel like there's any love put into this project. Yeah, they had a spot, they needed to fill it, and they filled it quickly with crap. You know yeah. what? What I would have liked. And not another ride, mm -hmm. but the um, I've watched the Cars movies like 500 times. The Willwell Hotel okay. that they have, mm -hmm. um, it would be even if it's right across from where uh, Flo's V8 is. But I mean, it's it's like a full service um, restaurant where you can get served outside, and it would have been beautiful and would have fit in well with the backdrop of the Radiator Springs Racers. But I mean, this. Well, I feel like I mean, Flo's V8 isn't full. Already, anyway, so they can't. I don't think they can justify oh, another restaurant. But I see true. what you're saying. But something. I, th I think 
think that what they should have done with with that Luigi space, it's not a big space. You can't put a big ride there. Right. But you could have put uh, basically a teacups ride, but had everybody in tires instead of teacups. But that's like what Mater. But that's is. Mater. No, Mater. No. Mater is much different than. But I see, like like uh, Alice's teacup yeah. ride. Fast. You're just oh, spinning. Just just spinning yeah. fast ride. That's a great That's idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I should be an Imagineer. You should. Do something about it. Heck yeah. I need to know. I don't know anybody. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, look. Uh, go go check it out. Uh, we posted it on our Facebook page. You can go check it out there. And, uh, you know, look, man. It's not just us. People accuse us of being negative. It's not It's not just us. It's a lot of people. It's a, it looks really boring. And many of the people looked super bored on it. Uh, yeah. And I think that the people who are writing it are Imagineers and staff, and they're like hyper aware that there's a camera, because uh, like there's a, there's one lady she's like smiling and then she stops and she's almost frowning and then she looks <laughs> over kind of at the camera and then she's smiling again. I'm yep. like, okay, I guess who saw the camera? <laughs> um, whatever. I don't know. Hey, you know, what? good luck to him. God bless him. You know, I hope I hope the ride succeeds, but I just don't I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it. I'll try it. And, you know, they had to do something because they had the show building already spent. They're not going right. to knock everything down and, and start from, from scratch. Right. But, uh, eh, eh. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't know that, what else they could That's done, the effort? Though. Dancing cars? That's the effort you're putting well, in? The effort, the effort, once again, the effort's technology. A trackless system. That's- Which is cool. Right. But I feel like, uh, you know, we have a music box that does the same thing that we pull out for Christmas. <laughs> There's a little skater on a frozen pond that does yeah. the same exact stupid thing. No, you're right. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for the fact of the show. In 1984, when Michael Eisner took over as head of Disney, Epcot Center was pulling in nearly $100 million per year just from corporations paying to run the country pavilions around the World Showcase. Wow. A hundred mil a year that corporations were paying to to sponsor these pavilions and to run them. So That's crazy. All of these uh, pavilions that that are happening in Epcot, Disney either doesn't pay anything or pays a small fraction and they they rent them out and have corporations pay for them. So wow. already and I think part of his plan to get Disney back in the black was to um put a couple more in or raise the prices or do something like that to get to get more money from having people pay to be in a park that he pays to pay to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's what a crazy Wow. It's crazy. 100 mil. It's just amazing just that it, right off the top. That now it's not doing very well. But Yeah. That's that's a crazy amount of money. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, hope you had a good time. Hope you learned a lot. Terrence, I think you did great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good job. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you in the parks. <laughs>